Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 151, where I strongly recommend, but only lightly review, the best of the brand new comic books that just came out this last Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, for slash four, April 4th. And this particular podcast loves it when Yoda says, you must unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> I am your host and comic book advocate, Chris Latore. I hope that you're doing good. I hope your commute's good. I hope your day at work is good. hope your boss isn't looking at you because you got your earbud in. All that and more. Thank you so much for joining us right here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast. We would appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button to our Sunspots Comics Podcast. Check out our past podcasts on our gigantic feed of pods and follow us on all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, all in one easy to find place, thank goodness, at Sunspots Comics. That's right. You got to only look up that and you'll find us right here. So quickly, to get the show started, some thank yous and a shout out. Thank you to our sponsor, Pop-Up Tea at popuptea.com. If you love a genormical selection of nerdy t-shirts, you're going to love popuptea.com. They have everything you can just possibly think of and mashes like, you know, Zelda and Walking Dead and all kinds of crazy stuff. Just go to popuptea.com, check them out. They also put together a little page where I can make some recommendations and put them there for you. So check out popuptea.com slash collections slash sunspots comics and you'll see some of those selections that I put there. But most importantly, use the promotional code sunspots comics when you check out on popuptea.com and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order. That's right. Even the clearance stuff that's only like 10, 11 bucks, you'll still get 25% off of that if you use the promo code sunspots comics on popuptea.com. They've also been kind enough to give us a few bucks whenever the promo code is used. That's right. Promo code sunspots comics. So please help us out. Go to popuptea.com and buy some nerdy shirts and use that promo code to get 25% off. That's right. Popuptea.com. And also thank you to my friend, Nick Papa George. He's the dude at the beginning of the podcast that sing our Sunspots Comics theme song. I love it. I never get tired of it. I can't believe it just so well represents me and what the, this, this particular podcast is all about. But please check out his band. Nick Papa George's band is called Solution. He's the lead singer. He's the guitarist. Go to solutionmusic.net to see their stuff. Go to facebook.com slash solutionreggae. They've got links to their music. They're on the iTunes and everything. They've got some upcoming show dates. If you love just good, you know, feel good music, you love reggae and rock and ska and just kind of infuse them all together with some awesome guitar licks, you're going to love Solution. Please check them out. Again, it's solutionmusic.net. Thank you, Nick, for making our theme song. Also, thank you to my son, the boy of my loins. Awkward. Uh, Justin Jables Latori for his work on our Sunspots comic spinoff podcast called Sunspot Scene. It's pretty good. It's fun. It's a good time. I love it. Sunspot scene is my son Jables and his two friends or one friend Moises. His friend Matt is going off to the Air Force. Thank you for your service, Matt. They call themselves the Kung Pao 3 Delight or now Kung Pao 2 Delight, I guess. Or maybe Matt's going to Skype in every so often. But anyway, it's two or three of them. They talk about movies, TV shows of all genres, not just comic books. So if you love movies, you love TV shows, they give their unique little take. They also have just a hilarious game at the very end of the show. You got to stay in there. And they put Easter eggs in too, so wait till the very, very end. But thank you to my son for doing our spinoff podcast called Sunspot Scene. Episode 15 is available now. It's where they review and discuss season two of Jessica Jones, uh, this movie called Mute, which I definitely want to see. They talk about Altered Carbon on Netflix, which thank you for the recommendation, Sunspot Scene. I'm going to check that out. And episode 16 is coming very soon, which is their review of Ready Player One. So check it out. It's called Sunspot Scene. If you're already subscribed to our podcast, you're going to get it. It's right there. It's on the feed. But if you like searching on other pod catchers it's everywhere it's just called sunspot scene and follow their instagram at sunspot scene so thank you my son jables and a quick shout out hello <laughs> i visited a comic book shop this weekend for my other job at aftershock comics where i visit comic book stores and just sort of be a representative and a 
just an expert on all things Aftershock Comics and discuss uh, comic books with them and talk about Aftershock Comics at local comic book shops here in California and some other places coming up. But I wanted to give a shout out to a shop that I visited yesterday. Uh, no, today. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. And I wanted to say hello to Eddie and hello to the owner, Kenny, at Nuclear Comics and Skate Shop in Laguna Niguel. It's in the heart of Orange County. If you're in California and you're in Orange County, you got to check it out. I really love that they're just strong advocates of indie comics, like their support of Aftershock Comics and other small publishers. They even spotlight local artists, comic book artists, on their walls. It's lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, Eddie was super friendly. Hey, Eddie, thanks again for just being very inviting. Uh, I gotta tell you, too, I love that Nuclear actually has, like, just a great variety of stuff so that there's always something for everything, for everyone. We actually bought this little book for our granddaughter. It's, like, this Wonder Woman book where you can actually sort of touch a little piece of her lasso and, and like, there's kind of a shiny part to, that kind of simulates, you know, her, her bulletproof bracelets and whatnot. So it's just a very cool little all-ages little book, but there's a little something for everybody. But I just wanted to say thank you for your hospitality, Eddie, and thank you for your support, uh, Kenny and Eddie, at Nuclear Skate Shop in, or Comics and Skate Shop in Laguna Niguel. Uh, thank you for your support of Aftershock Comics. We really appreciate it. So I wanted to say hello on the podcast. And please, you guys, support your local comic book shops and stop by a local comic book shop or this one, like I said, the Nuclear Comics and Skate Shop in Laguna Niguel. Um, if you're in California and you stop at a comic book shop, and you hear about it from me, please tell them that Chris from Aftershock Comics told you about them right here on a Sunspots Comics podcast. So thank you very much, and hello, Eddie and Kenny at Nuclear Comics and Skate Shop in Laguna Niguel. Wanted to give a little shout-out. So with that, now let's get into the meat and potatoes, the heart of the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number 151, starting out with some stuff that's been floating up inside of my lovely nerd brain. The first nugget of Nerd Lodge, Lodge Deep so deeply into my nerd lobes this week is Avengers Affinity War. Yes, Avengers Infinity War. We're close. We're almost there. I got my tickets to see it Thursday, April 27th uh, with Regal Cinemas. They have this opening night fan event. I wanted to share a little bit about it and tell you what it is. It's 25 bucks. You get to see the movie in 3D. You see the film an hour early, kind of before everybody else, and which is kind of cool at 6 o'clock. And in most theaters, of course, you'll be getting reclining, reserved seats. I love the reserved seats. Folks, if you haven't taken advantage of that and you're not going to theaters and you're not taking advantage of the reserved seat and the reclining seat situation, it'll change your life. Check it out. But you also get an Avengers collectible coin. They also give you a special kind of event popcorn and soda. I really hope that means it's like a like an Avengers tin or a soda tin, you know, that's special for Avengers Infinity, uh, and some exclusive content, they say. So I wonder what that actually means. I hope it's uh, some cool kind of footage or a deleted scene or something. Sometimes it's just kind of an introduction from the director or someone that's important uh, involved producer in the production of a movie, but I just hope it's cool. I, it, it's always a little something bonus when you go to these fan night events. And the real true bonus is the heart, soul, and minds of all of nerddom that comes to these early premiere events. And it's it's just an experience you have to have to do yourself. And if you've already done it, you know what I'm talking about. But go see an advanced fan event of any sort of comic book movie and you'll have a great time. Some folks say you got to see it again because there's a lot more clapping and laughing and, <laughs> and luckily not talking, just clapping, clapping and laughing and just kind of nerdgasming that's going on. But... Um, I managed to not see any of the trailers, any of the spoilers. I even kind of quickly swipe away when I see any imagery of the film. <laughs> I don't even like to look at the new Avengers toys at Target. That's just gone too far. <laughs> and like you could tell me exactly what to expect, what to look at. I just want to be absolutely as much as I can possibly be surprised so I don't look at anything. So, or so far anyway, we still have some time before the movie starts. Um, but I have been able to keep my, my eyes off all things Avengers, which I, I definitely like to do to maximize my surprise in, in the Avengers movies, in any comic book movie for that matter. But yeah, not a big fan of uh, having too many expectations or just filling my brain with spoilery type stuffs. But I'm super excited. Avengers Infinity War, check out both Regal and AMC are doing the opening night fan event. Uh, and you get all that for 25 bucks. Check it out. I highly recommend it. It's going to be a, a, a just a huge event. The, the money's going to make a quadrillion billion dollars. Everyone's going to see it multi multitudes of times. But I recommend the first time seeing it in a fan event like this. So check it out online. Regal and AMC are both doing it. Check it out. I highly recommend it. Uh, 
And another thing that's stuck inside of my nerdy brain is a new comic book that's coming out that I'm pretty excited about. It's called Lost City Explorers from Aftershock Comics. It's written by Zach Kaplan, who wrote the big hits Eclipse and Port of Earth for Image Comics. Check out my interview, by the way, with Zach Kaplan right here on her Sunspots Comics podcast on the feed. It's a super fun interview. Him and I just have a nice little chit-chat. There's actually two of them. One that's interfused into Long Beach Comic Expo and another one where him and I just sat down for like an hour and talked about everything that popped into my brain. But he's a super nice guy, super amazing writer in the in the realm of comics. Check out his stuff in the past. But this Aftershock title again is called Lost City Explorers. It's written by him and some gorgeous, beautiful art by Alvaro Saraseca. I've actually seen a, a sort of preview of it, the first five or six pages, um, since they gave me a little glimpse at Aftershock Comics since I worked there uh, for them. But it's scheduled for June, June 20th, and the premise, the premise of it sounds very interesting. So here's the solicit. I'll just read it to you quickly. A mysterious expedition is disrupted by supernatural activity, and an antiquities professor goes missing. His teenage daughter and her friends must become underground urban explorers. They follow his tracks on a coming-of-age journey through subterranean tunnels and ultimately find the holy grail of a lost city, Atlantis, which is buried right under New York City. So it, it looks really cool. Has a cool vibe, has a cool story. It's definitely like a mystery wrapped in a conspiracy, sprinkled and topped with loads of adventure. I just love it. I can't wait. I love anything that Zach Kaplan does. I'm a huge fan, and I'm really super excited that he's doing something with Aftershock. So um, check it out. And again, I, I when I'll get more information uh, when it comes out in June, and I'll speak to you more about it, of course, to remind you. But it's called Lost City Explorers from Aftershock Comics, written by Zach Kaplan, art by Alvaro Saraseca, coming out on June 20th. And the last thing that's been floating around in my nerd brain is I'm actually creating my very own comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, and it's an independent published comic book I'm doing myself. I created it. I'm doing the writing. A good buddy of mine, uh, Jordan Hudson, is doing the art. And I just wanted to give a shout out to his art. If you want to see what it looks like, uh, my comic book Zombie Destroyers, please check out Jordan Hudson's Instagram. It's at scablad, S-K-A-B-L-A-D-D. And it's gorgeous stuff. I'm doing the writing, uh, and he's doing his uh, the penciling and the, and the actual inking. It's gorgeous. If you want to see what Zombie Destroyers looks like, just go over to my website. It's called sunspotscomics.com. Click on Zombie Destroyers. You'll see six sample pages of what my comic book actually looks like. There's the cover page. There's pages one through four. There's no words on it, but you can see what the art looks like. And there's even this picture of Jordan, the artist of Zombie Destroyers, my comic book, his dad cosplaying at Rose City Comic Con as a, a character that I created in my comic book called Zombie Destroyers named Bruce. It's super good. I'm always super humbled by it. Thank you so much, Jordan's dad, and for Jordan for helping me create my vision, create my dream my way, which is what I've always wanted to do is create my own, publish my own comic book my way. So Zombie Destroyers, check it out. Go to sunspotscomics.com. Click on Zombie Destroyers to see what my comic book looks like. So next up, I actually want to mention a segment I'm pretty proud of just uh, that I posted a few weeks ago called Spotlighting. Uh, please check it out. There's an interview I did a couple of Fridays ago with a comic book artist and movie director named Troy Nixie. I'm super proud of it. There's other podcasts. There's other feeds in there that I've spoke to comic book creators. But Troy Nixie is my latest one. It was just a few weeks ago. I posted this interview with myself and Troy Nixie on our podcast feed. He's an artist of this comic book that I love called Vinegar Teeth. And I love it, love it, love it. He's actually, issue number four is coming out very soon. And the movie that he directed was written by Guillermo del Toro. Yes, Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro, del, Guillermo del Toro, Mr. Oscar winner himself. The movie's called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. It's very, very cool. Check it out. It's hor horrifying, but fun at the same time. Very monstery fun. But please check out Mr. Troy Nixie on his social media, at Troy Nixie. I'm really proud and just humbled by this interview, so I'd appreciate it if you check it out. It's a good time. And I'm definitely trying to flex some of my interview skills and just be professional and kind of harness my inner Howard Stern, the more part of the being a professional interviewer and broadcaster, not the other stuff you're thinking of. But anyway, <laughs> um, spotlighting. Please check it out. I'm super proud of it. Just go to our Sunspots Comics podcast feed and you'll see a bunch of interviews with other people in the comic book business trying to break in like myself. And if you yourself are trying to break in or you're doing some great stuff in comics and you'd like to have a conversation right here in a future podcast, just hit me up. Send me some of your review work to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com, or of course hit me up, message me on everything at Sunspots Comics. There's some folks that have sent me some stuff. I'm going to be having some interviews coming very soon, so just wanted to mention spotlighting. Check out my interview with Troy Nixie. Very proud of it. 
So now on to the main course, the centerpiece, the heart and soul of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, which is my reviews and recommendations. Again, very light reviews, more of the recommendation side of things, where I share with you my favorite new comic books that I recommend that just came out, New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, April 4th. So it's all about brand new comics, brand new stuff of all the publishing houses, just the best of the best of all the stuff that I read. And of course, semi-spoilerish alert. Yes, but really don't worry. I don't spoil everything. I only talk about a few interesting points of a comic book. I never touch the last couple of pages at all. Why do that? Why ruin it for you? I just want to inspire you, get you excited, get you to go to a, a local comic book shop and buy and read these comic books. But just in case, you've been super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alerted. Also to see everything that I'm reading, everything encapsulated, summarized, uh, even going f- all the way back to May of 2015 when I started this podcast, just to see everything that Sunspots Comics is all about, go to our website, sunspotscomics.com. You can even click on pull list to see every single title I'm reading. There's 132 of them. I update this site every su- every single week. I'm super proud of it. I keep it simple. It's an easy site to look at just to see my comic book, see the pics of the week. The front page of the, of the, of the actual sunspotscomics.com, I put a list of all of the comic book movies that are coming out this year in chronological order, and there's a ton. So go to the main page there. But check out sunspotscomics.com every so often. I really appreciate it. It's simple and easy and a breezy website, and it'll tell you everything that's going on in the world of Sunspots Comics. Me, Chris. So next is the art winner and cover artist winner. Every single week I pick what I consider, I know artist subjective, my favorite cover and my favorite artist of the week in comics of the brand new stuff. And this week it was one and the same, two individuals. It is Carl Kershaw and Miss Assy K. And that's, I think, the way it's pronounced because it's all kind of together. Miss Asik, maybe. For their glorious art on Isola, Isola, number one from Image Comics. It is fantastic. Please follow them both at Carl Kershel. It's K-A-R-L-K-E-R-S-C-H-L and Miss Asik. It's M-S-A-S-S-Y-K on Instagram, Twitter, everything. Now let's start with the cover. This cover is just an absolute beautiful work of art. It's something we don't see in comics very often. It has just this structure and symmetry that's gorgeous. I love the way that they have sort of done some great graphic design of these symbols and these are kind of like hieroglyphics that they use. They're wonderful. There's just kind of like this, like you're reading Kryptonian almost, but they're symbolistic like hieroglyphics. Love it. Absolutely wonderful. It must have taken a very long time to do. But there is this sort of all red image, but you know, there's shades of red that are used here behind this sort of Lord of the Rings-like map. And I love that. It has just this very stylistic, unique look. Um, I love that her outfit is just sort of, it's very grounded in reality. It's very kind of like a mountain person. <laughs> it's living in the, in, the, in the mountain-esque world, but also sort of armored up. So it's kind of infusing those two things with this glorious sword. And it's just wonderful. She's like in this striking sword pose. And again, like I said, it's just this striking red. Even love the font Isola. It looks just interesting. It has a different, unique sort of twisted font design to it. I just, it looks just like something carved into stone. So I I love that. But man, the cover is striking. It's beautiful. You must check it out on Isola issue number one. And let's get into the meat of the art. You, you are sort of sprinkled in with some red in the cover and you immediately go to these beautiful shades of blue in this mountain-esque epic scene with the rain falling and there's clouds in the background and you just want to sort of live in this very sort of dark, creepy, but beautiful blue landscape of this mountain scenery. And it's it just gives this awesome look of night and also how certain things just sort of have a little bit of of iridescence to them to really make the characters pop. But you have this Isola character who seems like she is the war guard or she is a, a guardian of this this tiger, this black tiger with like glowing neon stripes, which is lovely, like kind of bluish green neon stripes. Just otherworldly looking tiger. And apparently the tiger is a patriarch of some kind. It's like a queen or someone. I love that it's mysterious. Everything isn't just laid out to you here, but... Uh, that's just the simple gist. Uh, we'll get into it more later because I uh, made it to the countdown. But um, man, it's just lovingly done. So much detail. You gotta love what's, what's the the look into the eyes of Asola. Looks so realistic. She's she's 
just kind of has this piercing look constantly where she's staring into us. But it's very fantastical. And, and then they go from the blues to the purples to the greens, just full of color. This lush color design. And it's just these great sort of wilderness landscaping and this crazy dark gray tiger with, like I said, the the limeish blue-green neon stripes. Just so striking and so cool. But it has a unique style. Action's done so very well. There's just a scene where she's like kind of standing in this muck of a pond, and there's just this green flow to it, and the different shading of green is beautiful. I gotta say the coloring is absolutely phenomenal, along with the just the finite lines of art here. It looks like like some of the most beautiful sort of 3D styled animation. This would make a perfect transition right into a full featured animated film. So it does have a kind of cell technology kind of feel, like an old cell art style. But uh, man, it's just so hyper detailed at the same time. Something we never get in cartoons. Maybe that's why I love comics more than cartoons. Just, I don't know, they go to the next level with, with detail and art. But glorious, glorious. Easily the artist winners, Carl Kershaw and Masaic, Masasik, Masasike, however it's said. I'm so sorry if I got that wrong. I'll give a shout out to the both of you. But please check it out. Isola, issue number one from Image Comics. Easily the cover art winner and artist winner this week. Thank you, Carl Kershaw and Masasike. Love it, love it, love it. And the breakdown! This week I actually read a total of 19 comics, and 8 of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. It was an amazing week of comics, folks. You gotta get these comics. They are top-notch. They're so good. And new number ones. I always tell you about what I had in the, in the list here as far as new number ones, and only one new number one made it. And I'll tell you which one it is here very briefly, but that's very cool. New One new number one and one, the only one, made it to the Great Ones list. So fantastic. I'll tell you what it is briefly here. So let's get into the comic book recommendation list. This is the Great Ones, folks, right here. Get your pencils and papers out. Get your Scantron. Write these down. <laughs> or put it in a phone in your notes on your phone, whatever. Um, but this is the best of the best new comics that just came out, new comic book day, Wednesday, April 4th. I definitely recommend you buy these, go to your local comic book shop and buy these immediately. So here we go now, on to my top comic book recommendations of the week. So there were eight of them. So here we go, coming in at number eight is Elsewhere, issue number six from Image Comics. This is uh, written by, created by Jay Farber, and Samye Kesgin, uh, written by Jay Farber, and art by Samye Kesgin. And love the color artist Ron Riley here. I, I love everything that he does. So wonderfully, uh, very particular, very unique style of coloring. But a quick gist, this is Amelia Earhart stuck in this strange world. She went into the Bermuda Triangle, apparently. Uh, and this is where she ends up. We don't know what really happens to Amelia Earhart, right? She disappeared. Well, she's in this crazy sort of Lord of the Ringsy fantasy kind of land. Or alien planet. You don't really quite know it's like a blend of both that's what i kind of like about elsewhere but she's trying to find her way out of this she came in with a person also of historical significance db i think that's what his name was um he's a bit of a scoundrel and this is how she sort of reunites with him they were separated in this weird weird world this is just the beginning of arc number two which i like i definitely recommend reading elsewhere issue number one through five but this starts off where she reunites with the scoundrel, her friend uh, DB, which I believe is his name. Forgive me if I got it wrong. I'm horrible with names. But this involves kind of an epic sea journey. So it's just on this, this beautiful like pirate ship, and there's just this group of ragtag pirates here. They're all kind of scoundrels, and DB's partnered up with them. It's just kind of, he's the Han Solo of the ocean. He's just kind of going from town to town trying to make money in any way that he than he possibly can, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, a little bit of Star-Lord, all that mixed in here is DB, where he's still wearing like his kind of dress pants and, and suit and tie sort of thing, which is great in this alien slash Lord of the Rings weird fantasy world. <laughs> he looks just very earthly. But um, there's gags in this. There's some humor. Uh, Amelia Earhart is written in kind of a smart-alecky way, snarky way, which is fun. But who doesn't love just sort of an adventure on the open alien fantasy sea? That's what Elsewhere is all about. Kicking off the new arc into them trying to get off this planet. There is a peek into what's going on on the planet Earth-ish. They just, he sprinkles it in. Way to go, Jay Farber. Just to give you enough to tickle you with a feather to wonder what the heck's going on here. And are, and are these sort of little bits into Earth? Uh, a long time ago in Amelia Earhart's time or modern day 
it's unclear at this point. But I like that it's unraveling a mystery. I mean, what's going to happen to Amelia Earhart? I love when there's ever a twist on a historical character. Uh, so that's what Elsewhere is all about. Check it out. It's super fun, super good. It has a cool, very cartoony, fun art style that's real. I mean, it's clean. Every line is very detailed. And it has this sort of, feels like the movie Avatar in a way from the look of it. Jungle scenes, etc. But action-packed fun on the open sea in this weird alien world. Um, so just a ton of fun. Elsewhere. Check it out. I highly recommend it. And coming in at number seven is the longest title of the week. This is the entire title. Here we go. It's from, from the world of Black Hammer, Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows. <laughs> Humongous. Issue number two, by the way, and this is from Dark Horse Comics. So this is within the world of Black Hammer. If you haven't read Black Hammer, you need to. It's amazing. This is a little spin-off of it, just kind of focusing upon this one main character named Dr. Star. He's kind of a, a mashup of the Rocketeer and Doctor Strange kind of thrown in together. That's very much what this Black Hammer sort of world is all about. Very much an homage to the Golden Age of Comics. That's what Doctor Star is. Although it's just this little side um, comic uh, leading into important characters that I hope sort of bleed back into Black Hammer. It seems like Black Hammer's on hiatus. We haven't seen one of them in a while, but we've had a couple of spinoffs here. And this really centers around the how... The, the concept of sacrifice, like how a scientist can sacrifice so much to where his family's, his family is suffering. And it just really kind of shows us what happens when you sort of don't pay any attention to your family and you just, you strive for your dream, your goal, your mission, and you just are hell bent on finishing that and don't care about the wake that is left behind you. And that's what this particular issue is about. It hit me kind of emotionally. It's moral is to, hey, spend some time with your family please. But this is written by Jeff Lemire, fantastic artist of the Black Hammer series and so much more. Jeff Lemire is amazing. Artist Max Fiumara. I love his style. He has this weird oblong-headed kind of thing that he does with characters. Seems like their eyes are kind of pointing in different directions, like you're looking at a gecko or something. Yeah, that's just humans and how they look. <laughs> that's odd. But... He also loves kind of these different angles and views and immediate close-ups and then immediate sort of back-aways to give you a little more of a quiet, epic moment. Uh, lovely stuff. His Max Fiumara, Fiumara's art is wonderful. Check this out. You have to in, in Dr. Star. But this is centered around, there's some time jumping here of when Dr. Star is dealing with his son who is, who is, um, who is ill. That's all I'll tell you. And even the sort of possibility of how the son is ill is deeply emotionally wrenching here uh, for Dr. Star, who is his, you know, a dad, ultimately. But um, it's just this sad sort of realization of how his family has suffered due to his his absolute, you know, unwielding perseverance towards, you know, the towards science. And it's just so interesting as to what happens here with his family. But it flashes back to the past and then back to current day where he just seems to be very down on his luck. He's not sure if he wants to sort of continue on as a scientist. You know, where is this going to go from here? But his past is absolutely gloriously beautiful. He just goes on these insane missions. His sort of, I don't know, like wand slash gun that he has is able to just transport him and morph him to other planets and galaxies. So he's very much of that galactic level here of heroism where he's doing things to sort of help save the planet and he's not even partnering up with the people of black hammer yet this is just him on his own there's a glorious glorious two-page spread where he fights this sort of cosmic purple dragon it's beautiful it's gorgeous like in there's black holes related to this it also has a, a, a kind of a gravity into real science so i i respect that and i enjoy that it feels fun and fresh and intelligent but please check out Dr. Star, Kingdom of the Lost Tomorrows, issue number two. It's only no, number two. Grab number one. I definitely recommend it from Black Horse Comics. Again, Jeff Lemire writes this beautiful art by Max Fiamara. Please check out Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows. Yes, one of the longest titles in comic book history. <laughs> so coming up next at number six. Coming in at number six is Batman, issue number 44. Batman! And it's, <laughs> man, Batman has been fantastic. This is written by Tom King. This is co-arted by Michael Janin, Janine and Joel Jones. I don't typically like when you have a sort of 50-50 type situation with artists. 
This is wonderful. I mean, I do love the both of them, Michael Jannon and Joel Jones, both a couple of my favorite artists of all time. So it was wonderful to see them both paired up, and they pair up so wonderfully well here. I got to commend them both. Great pairing. But this centers around the wedding between the bat and the cat that's coming up. And, uh, and I got to tell you, there's a great scene where Catwoman is riding a white tiger. Yeah, I laughed out loud, but also was like, man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, she, Catwoman riding a white tiger. You just don't see that. It's great. And Batman's like on a horse chasing after. But this is kind of like um, where, where Catwoman, uh, they're both maybe not necessarily having second thoughts about getting married. But Catwoman, this is sort of more focused around her story to where... It's like maybe she's sowing her wild oats in the area of like of just doing one last sort of heist or one last steal or one last thing to sort of get her rush into stealing stuff. That is her addiction. <laughs> That's who she is. Also, reflecting back, it's also a bit surprising, you know, that they've paired the, these two together. In some ways it is, in some ways it's not. So it makes perfect sense. But, you know, ultimately she has a, a very villainous past, uh, Catwoman does. But they're kind of going, hey, don't think about that. You know, they're just two attractive people and they are just, they love each other. <laughs> That's kind of where this is going. But I got to tell you, the scene where Catwoman sort of makes this romp into this very expensive, like kind of Rodeo Drive wedding store and breaks into it and is trying on dresses and then flashing back to a lot of moments where she battled Batman. And it's this great um, sort of... Uh, way to sort of show all the different outfits they've both had over the years and some of them are hilarious and ridiculous as i'm looking at a few right here and some are fantastic so it's just like you know it's like it's like having an action figure you get to you know two action figures you get to change the outfits on every few seconds that's what it feels like in this and i i dig it but i also like that it's there's very little dialogue it's just sort of painting a picture of how they've slowly over time cared for each other and they've made uh you know from light flirting to kind of emotional moments where they you know reveal sort of how they feel and it's it's just this nice little tale of how maybe how they truly fell in love over the years and and i just kind of enjoyed it i'm a romantic at heart so it definitely was just drawn so well by two amazing artists and there's even a scene where he's like kneeling down and it's like he's almost putting the garter on her foot but it's a bandage it's just like it's all getting ready for this wedding that may or may not happen who knows but there's a scene too where joel jones really went over the top with this scene with catwoman in a sewer you got to see it just like when she's swimming through this muck and there's just dripping ooze everywhere and there's catwoman in the awesome outfit and the goggles it's just joel jones um at the top of her game she's one of my favorite artists of all time but batman's been solid the wedding's coming up, uh, I guess, or who knows, but it's been great artists, it's been fun stories. The cat and the bat hitching up, we'll see how it goes. Catwoman riding, riding a white tiger. Uh, there you go, enough said. <laughs> Batman 44 from DC Comics. Tom King, thank you. It's been You've been doing some fantastic writing on Batman. But coming up next at number five is from DC Comics as well, Hanna-Barbera's The Jetsons, issue number six of six. And I gotta tell you, this is like a surprise the entire series here, mini-series, mini for me. Because I was not a big Jetsons cartoon fan, watched very little of it, to be honest. But this is just filled with this feeling of hope, this feeling of uh, positive sci-fi, this feeling of, like, this family bond and unit. Yeah, there's times when they're at each other's throats, uh, and they argue, and they don't get along. There's, like, brother and sister, you know, Elroy and uh, his sister, which I forgot um, her name. But anyway... <laughs> But it's, it's like this just feel-good, smart, science-based, Star Trek-like family. Reminds me of, like, Lost in Space, in a way. All of that, you're getting that here. In this interesting take of the Jetsons. This is written by uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, who's done a ton of stuff for DC, and uh, Harlequin, etc., etc. And just lovely, lovely, lovely art by last name Brito. And uh, not burrito, uh, which I'm hungry, so maybe, maybe that's why I'm thinking about it. But anyway, I'll uh, as I'm flipping through. Oh yeah, Pierre Brito is the artist. Very cartoony style and animation and cell like, but also blended in with some very hyper realistic look. So I love that sort of blend. Strange colors, lots of neons, pinks and oranges and blues and lime and and light sort of 
fluorescent blue colors. That's the way they've painted the future here. Just very colorful, but everything has a very science fiction, futuristic sort of look to it. I mean, I just love sequences where they show these layouts of the sky and they're just like this weird purple. I just love that. So the art is great. But this is centered around this giant meteor that's heading towards Earth and this strange sort of monster in the bottom of the ocean, which they mostly live floating above above the ocean because the, the Earth now, because of a catastrophic event, is like 97% water, or pretty much 100% water, actually. And they live in floating land masses and ships and whatnot above the water. And there's like this weird, strange creature at the bottom of the ocean that's just eating everything and all the debris on the bottom of the ocean while this giant asteroid hurls towards Earth. I love the movie Armageddon. It kind of reminds me a little of that. I don't want to close my eyes. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so if you want a little sci-fi, you want a little family fun, you want a little lost in space, you want a smidge of the Jetsons, I guess it's in there. They have the dog, they have the, the grandma who's the robot. Uh, all the main characters are there. But there's also this other sort of family that they're entwined with. And their their sciences scientist Jets Mr. George Jetson himself a Mr. is uh, is like this very smart talented engineer and Mrs. Jetson uh, Jane is more of the super intense smart science fiction uh, related person uh, trying their best to sort of battle this hurling asteroid or doing last thing minute things they can do uh, preparing ships to just sort of leave Earth uh, they're scrambling uh, it's this is kind of like it, it they've ultimately kind of given up there's not much they can do. And, uh, and it, it comes to kind of a beautiful ending here, a very strange, twisted ending. And again, all filled with sort of positive science fiction. You know, everything is just has that sort of twinge and taste to it. Leaves you feeling kind of hopeful, and it was fun and friendly, and it's a good time. And uh, I like that. I dug it. I, I long for something lost in space, like the Netflix show that's coming soon, Lost in Space. I can't wait. This is kind of leading me right towards that. But check out The Jetsons. It's a miniseries. It's six issues. This is the finale. It wraps up in a solid, fantastic way. And I want to see more of it. Uh, I hope we get more of it. I hope Jimmy Palmiotti uh, nailed it for everybody and the sales were well. But Jetsons, check it out. I was really uh, surprised by it. Again, science fiction, fun, and family. But coming in at number four is from uh, Dark Horse Comics. It's from the pages of Hellboy, Ko Shay, the Deathless. And it's issue number four of six from Dark Horse Comics. This is written by Mike Mignola, the very creator of Hellboy himself, which I love. He's one of my favorite artists slash creators. And this is art by Ben Stenbeck. And man, also colors by Dave Stewart, one of the best colorists of all time. But Ben Stenbeck's art is gorgeous. Uh, thank you, Ben. You absolutely fit so well into the, the Mignola-verse, into this Hellboy universe. Koshay is of my favorite of the spin-offs. Well, I don't know, I love um, sort of Vinegar Teeth, kind of lives there, and uh, also so does um, Jenny Finn. But anyway, it might be my favorite. I just really enjoy Koshay the Deathless. There's so many of the Mignola-verse Hellboy sort of universe that they've been building in Dark Horse for a while, but this has got to, this is probably my favorite. It's this twisted tale spanning many years uh, just a, a you know millennia of this powerful being that he's so powerful and he's lived so long he does good he does bad he just kind of roams the earth sometimes it's just kind of on a whim and he does good things and bad things gets involved with with man and messes things up and then sometimes we'll just sit in a cave in a mountain for years to kind of keep away from all that's humans uh when he's actually on and then he sort of gets back to being focused upon his revenge on this uh, evil sorceress named Baba Yaga. Yes, not the. It's not John Wick, <laughs> but the, you know there is a that name used historically as a, you know the boogeyman. And anyway, um, and Koshe is definitely sort of steeped in I guess Russian mythology, if you will. But this is uh, Hellboy and Koshe sitting somewhere in hell, which it looks like kind of a a bar or a sunken ship with skeletons littered all over it, and there they are, sitting somewhere in hell, Koshay and Hellboy having a drink, talking about stuff, and it's Koshay's turn to kind of share his life with Hellboy. That's setting the tone for what happens to be this epic tale of misadventure, sorcery, revenge, death, and there's a sequence in here where you want to like Koshay, and there's a scene where that just makes you want to hate him. It's like, oh my gosh, he misuses this power, he goes on this sort of hunt, to kill this uh, nightingale that its very song, this demon bird, will kill you if you listen to it. 
And it doesn't end the way it, you think it would when it's this king that really kind of begs, implores Koshe to kill the Nightingale. He does, but he doesn't sort of go the way you think it's going to go because that's how it is. He's so powerful. He's lived so long. He's he studied all these strange dark magic arts and he just sort of doesn't care sometimes, has no sort of feelings of remorse for the human race. But he comes in contact with a woman here and there's just sort of this romantic romp for a moment and you get to see that Koshay, uh has a heart and he is coming back to respecting humanity, maybe-ish, kinda. But man, it twists. It takes a turn. I didn't see coming. But it's just so steeped in glorious Mignola-like art here by Ben Stenbeck. It's just wonderful. So many just iconic sort of silhouettes that are throughout this. I love that Koshay's eyes are green. Just adds this sort of mystical effect. And there are strange sort of monsters like frogs with wings that will occasionally speak to him and give him sort of tips or give him sort of pointers or lead him in the wrong direction or give him sort of a nudge to be evil. It's like, you know, the yin and the yang. It's... It's like the good and evil sitting on his shoulders and he goes at a whim. So it's just a great character I want to see more of. I know it's a miniseries. It's uh, wrapping up on issue six. Yeah, it's four of six. But this has some interesting tales, some twists. It's magic and mayhem and death and destruction and vengeance and revenge. All that and the chasing of Baba Yaga. All in there. Koshe, the Deathless from Dark Horse. Check it out, folks. Mike Mignola. It's great, great, great stuff. So now here we go, on to the top three. The best of the three of the whole week. Here we go. This is the top three that came in this week. Coming in at number three is Amazing Spider-Man, issue 798. I can't believe we're coming up to 800. It's going to be a landmark, humongous issue. But the core of it here is, is you've got the Green Goblin and, and Spider-Man are back to fighting each other. The Green Goblin now has, uh, has gathered a carnage symbiote or the carnage symbiote we're not sure but it is a carnage yes the absolutely destructive psychopathic murderous killer uh, symbiote that will bond with you uh it's bonded <laughs> with norman osborne and it's revived even his goblin serum that was in his blood uh peter parker slash spider-man came up with a nanobot serum that was injected into norman osborne's bloodstream to negate his goblin powers well it's carnage with garnet with carnage with goblin powers together because the carnage symbiote has healed though the and destroyed the nanites that spider-man put into norman osborne's blood that's crazy right <laughs> i just, just described all that but it's a it's a crazy carn carn bob carn gob carnlin garbage i don't know <laughs> together it's carnage and goblin and yeah, this is going to be a formidable foe for Spider-Man, and this is just really the introduction of him. That's what, at its core, is going on here. I love that Peter Parker is working at the at the Daily Bugle as this sort of science consultant and uh, running that sort of science division of the paper. I love it, and he is enjoying it, and it seems like his life is kind of getting back together from the whole fall of Parker Inst in Institute, Parker Industries, the billion-dollar corporation that crashed from Superior Spider-Man uh, ending arc. But this is still, by the way, Dan Slott. I guess maybe we're saying farewell to Dan Slott on issue 800. I, I think that's where it's going because uh, he he's been doing uh, Spider-Man for 10 years. Thank you, Dan Slott. It's been fantastic. I've probably stayed with it the entire 10 years. And uh, penciling by Stuart Eminen. I mean, look at his stuff. It's fantastic. Wade Van Graw Badger on ink. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, just a superior team here uh, on Amazing Spider-Man. <clears throat> but, yeah, this is uh, starting a new arc. This is just really introducing uh, Carnage Goblin. And where is this going to go? What's going to happen? Who's going to be uh, destroyed upon the, the, that is the wrath of Norman Osborn as Carnage? Fantastic look of him. I love it. He's got this pointy, strange cone head. And it just seems like sort of fire and brimstone come out of his mouth and the goblin-y sort of bottom. But then the mixture of carnage. He's even sort of infusing sort of carnage gar goblin bombs here. It's horrifying. Um, it's it, very reminiscent of the Maximum Carnage series in the 90s that I really loved with Spider-Man because Carnage is back. He's been around. I just don't really know what's been going on with him. But uh, here it is. You don't have to really worry about where the Carnage symbiote was. Um, 
it's it's here now. It's in it's him and Nor- Norman Osborn pairing up, and Spider Man's gonna have one hell of a time here. Yeah, this is gonna be a villain that's gonna stick around. I hope, and be someone that is a major supervillain arch nemesis for a while. I mean, it is arguably I would say Spider Man's ultimate arch nemesis as it is with the Green Goblin. There's so many fantastic villains in the Spider Man universe, but maybe this is his penultimate. I would think uh, the Green Goblin. So yeah. Green Goblin with a twist. Red slash Carnage Green. Red and Green Goblin. But wonderful, wonderful stuff. Check out Amazing Spider-Man. Jump in wherever. You have Alex Ross on covers. Holy mackerel. Each and every single one of them is gorgeous. I'm constantly capturing, snapping, taking pictures of, putting it on my phone. Look at these covers from Alex Ross for Amazing Spider-Man. You, Your jaw will drop. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Amazing Spider-Man. Fantastic. And now coming in at number two is the only new number one this week that made it to the countdown and the only number one that actually came out that I read, Isola issue number one. And this is from Image Comics. This is the art winner and artist uh, cover winner. Gorgeous cover, gorgeous art. This is written by Brendan Fletcher and also I guess Carl Kershaw helped with the story. And it's art by Carl Kershaw and Miss Asike or Miss Asik uh, on art. So they paired together. I follow both of them, by the way, uh, on social media, and they have very similar art styles, but you can just tell how they paired together. Sometimes someone was doing the background. It was like, you know, Carl was doing the background and Miss Asik was doing the foreground. There's this nice, beautiful blend. You can only catch it barely if you're really paying attention. I read this like three or four times. But anyway, I kind of gave you the gist earlier. Um, It is this guardian, if you will. It's in this sort of uh, very fantastical, maybe other planet-like world. Or maybe even Earth. There's a, there's a little couple of hints that I said, maybe this is Earth. But who knows? I love that it's a mystery. They're they're laying it out kind of slowly. It's a love, amazing new world. Interesting character of this monarch that's been transformed into this beautiful dark gray and light bluish green neon striped tiger. Uh, the physicality of the tiger is still very traditional, but the coloring of it is amazing. It's like a tiger from Tron. that's what it reminds me of but you have our Isola character is this sort of soldier she's following commands she's protecting this queen slash tiger she speaks to it at a few times but also says who knows if you understand me there's definitely reference to otherworldly type things with other animals maybe they speak you're not quite sure there's this great dream sequence where you understand her absolute fear of the queen dying because Isola has like these nightmares of of the queen slash tiger just being killed Uh, by a barrage of arrows and so you know that it's just this heightened level of fear for her and it really displayed so well in the emotions and the faces they sell it every single time it's the piercing eyes it's the the scowl look on her face it's so realistic and beautiful they had to do a ton of emotions here and i love that it's very challenging it's not easy to do in a sola looks phenomenal phenomenal i like that you also have this woman wearing armor she's kind of a badass soldier i really like that but the landscape of this planet the coloring the coloring the coloring some of the best coloring i've ever seen and again this is done by carl kershaw and messiah they sort of they claim the coloring duties as well on this they poured their heart and soul into this um i've had difficulty finding this issue it's been kind of sold out everywhere isola issue number one from image so get it if you can it's it's kind of hard to find i'm sure they're going to reprint this um but man great new world what's going to happen here you're only getting just a, a little just a little taste as to what's happening here in this world there's this amazing sort of two-page splash where it's like this giant dragon crow as as dead and all these other sort of animals feasting on its dead carcass and uh, it's known as this mystical beast and they're all sort of worried about eating the meat from it and it's just grotesque and beautiful all at once such amazing coloring in this lush beautiful landscape of a jungle and these creatures it's just so well done it's amazing 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 she does run into a group of people here uh, that you you kind of quickly understand their motivation and what they're trying to do. But uh, she has to protect the queen, keep the queen alive at all costs. Why she's on the run, we don't quite know yet. But there's kind of an awesome cliffhanger at the very end, which uh, makes you question everything. Again, the symbols, the hieroglyphics that are used for sort of lettering, all very sort of kind of grounded in Egyptian reality. It just feels like this amazing... Uh, 
3D animated feature that's just ready to come right out of this. And uh, I definitely recommend, as I was reading this, I actually listened to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. It seemed to pair very well, uh, especially the scenes uh, with the orcs and Mordor being formed. It just, it's the drums, everything fits so well. There's my little pairing for you. My little, my little motif, if you will, a little wine and pairing of a comic. Uh, listen to, uh, read Isola as you listen to Lord of the Rings, any of them. Um, but man, I love this. I can't wait to see where it goes. I want more of it. I hope it's delivered on time. It's so amazingly detailed. There is also like a like an end cutscene after the ending of the comic, like a like a Marvel bonus scene, if you will. It seems to be a popular thing now that's happening, but it's fine. Leading you into Isola issue number two, and there's like a Mordor-like map at the very end, which is great. Gives you kind of an idea of the landscape and where the character is, and maybe what they're running from. There's some hints into. The map there, I think, as to what's going on. So, lovely stuff. Um, I'm going to scour the earth for another copy of it because I just want a, a second issue. Isola, get it. It's it's phenomenal. It was, you know, almost the number one pick of the week. It was like right there. The number one and the number two are very close. But Isola issue number one from Image Comics. Check it out. Our art winner, our cover art winner this week. Fantastic stuff. But now here we go. On to the number one. The one we've all been waiting for. The Big Kahuna. This week's number one top comic book pick is... Hit me with that quick little drum roll. Jim Henson's Storyteller Fairies. Issue number four of four. Second longest title of this week. <laughs> but this is lovely. It's just so fantastic. It's a story and art by Celia Lowenthal. She does the art. She does the story. It's phenomenal. It's gorgeous. Uh, this is a lovely morality tale, ultimately. It's its moral is basically be good to your mom. This made me want to call my mom. I actually reached out to my mom after I read this. Um, it will fill you with that. Let me start with the art really quick. It has this kind of whimsical look and feel. It's, it's very much filled with sort of two or three primary colors. And it's filled with like this blinding sunlit hue. It's like... It is kind of like you're walking on the surface of the sun. It's just yellow and blinding and white at some scenes and then sprinkled in with some lime green. It seems like the whole comic is that way. Sometimes that absolutely works. Sometimes it totally doesn't. This totally works. It just has this unique otherworldly feel. You're just sort of you're just sort of drawn in and living and put this sort of blinding sunlit background just like on you like with a blanket in this this in, of warmth is kind of what it feels like by the way each one of these um jim henson storyteller fairies issues are contained single issues they're standalone that you can read each and every one of them the only way they sort of tie into each other is this old man this lovely kind of frodo not frodo bilbo baggins looking old man sitting in this lovely wonderful uh home with his gorgeous fireplace sitting and talking to his talking dog yeah his like talking sort of saint bernardy looking dog they always have this this conversation that's not related to kind of what's happening they have this sort of snarky smart alecky conversation with each other also very warm and and wonderful conversation that kind of casually leads into the story sometimes the way even the old man segues is not related at all but he just goes you know speaking of uh, a wonderful fairy here's a story i have for you he doesn't do that in this one but the segues are just kind of odd and you chuckle at them sometimes because there really is no segue or lead in to the story but they introduce and set the tone this lovely old bilbo, bilbo baggins and his wonderful saint talking saint bernard but this centers around a teenager that is very eye-rolly and very uh, <laughs> angsty. But in, in the days of, uh, you know, in like 1800 BC, where the, he's living as a shepherd on a farm, just him and his mother, his father's past, and he is supposed to be stepping up as the man of the farm, of this, of this herd, of this, of this sort of lamb shepherd farm that they have. And he sort of could care less. He just wants to sort of lay in a prairie and hang with his friends and stay out till all hours with his friends, drinking ale, uh, whatever, getting into trouble. And his mother is just this peaceful, wonderful woman that's just, you know, has no choice. She's a little down on her luck. All she has is her son, but her son could kind of care less. That's the sort of setting of the tone here. And then 
the fairies arrive. <laughs> it's like, and they take them into this other world where time acts differently, where it's a very alluring world that he uh, ends up sort of wanting to stay in and and stays for a very long time until he realizes, you know, thinks about as time quite often does, right? Makes us sort of reflect and and think back upon things and and want to sort of uh, end loose ends or and you know end conflicts or just come to a place to where you accept things in your life and don't live in regret or fear and so he has a sort of change of heart but it's in a twisted way i've already kind of said too much um because it, it doesn't quite go as you think it's going but uh this made me think of my mom it made me reach out to my mom it has this wonderful heart in this story and what a great way to wrap up the four-part miniseries of the fairies. I've been loving all the Jim Henson storyteller series, by the way. There's like giants, witches, goblins. I forget them all. They're all fantastic. I don't know. Fairies maybe kicks it up a notch as my favorite of all the little miniseries. I can't wait till they collect them all where it's Jim Henson storytellers and all of them are together because they're all little miniseries, like four or six issues from Archaea. And uh, that's, the you know, just so lovely, lovely. Uh, it's just fantastic art. You got to get your eyes on it. Uh, it's another one that's hard to get. It's kind of sold out uh, everywhere. Limited print run, if you will. But it affected me the most emotionally. That's why it was the top pick of the week. Because all of these eight were seriously good this week. It was like hard to pick my number one. I went back and forth. I battled them. I, I compared. I reread chapters. It was really tough. They're all really eight solid ones. But this one got me thinking about mom, got me feeling emotional, but it's a wonderful tale, magical tale with fairies involved and a teenager that has a change of heart. And uh, it just, it meant something to me personally. Um, it's, it's spoke to me and makes me think about being a dad. And also, like I said, made me appreciate my mom. Uh, I was raised, uh, she was a single mom for most of uh, our lives and did the best she could to raise us. And you know, it's uh, it, it's it's just a wonderful, heartwarming tale, and uh, you want to hug and kiss your mom. But anyway, Jim Henson, Storytellers, Fairies, issue number four for uh, Get It. That's the tale of morality involving your mom. It's lovely, lovely stuff. Such gorgeous art. Thank you for the lovely tale, Celia Lowenthal. It's been wonderful. Jim Henson, Storyteller, Fairies, the number one pick of the week. Mm, so good. So there you go, folks. There you have it. That is the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 151. Let me lock the vault door. So those are my new comic book recommendations this week for New Comic Book Day, April 4th. Please go to a local comic book shop. Support your local comic book shops. Buy these immediately. Tell them that Chris at Sunspots Comics and Aftershock Comics sent you. We'd appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, or you want your own personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. Maybe there's a comic book I should be reading. There's a lot of stuff out there I know I'm probably missing. Please tell me what it is, something that you love. I'd love to hear from you. Um, just reach out and send me even something right to sunspotscomics.com and all the social media or my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. Please check out our blog at blog.sunspotscomics.com. Sign up for our newsletter on sunspotscomics.com contact. Tune in next week for issue number 152 of the Sunspots Comics podcast where I'm going to be reading a list of 15 new comics for April 11th, Wednesday New Comic Book Day. There's two new number ones coming out next week that I hope to get as well, and I hope they're awesome so I can talk to you about them, make those recommendations, because new number one something really exciting about that, right? So please, also, if you want to give a little back to us here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast, it's simple. All you got to do is go to popuptea.com, use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS, get 25% off your order, Plus, they've just told us they'll give us a buck or two for every shirt that's sold using the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS. So please go over to popuptea.com, get 25% off. And also, go over to the iTunes, give us some positive words, hit us with five stars. I will even share and discuss your review on a future podcast. Talk about it. Yes, your words. And give you a shout out. And also, personally thank you by mailing you out a little comic book surprise pack. I've mailed some out. You know who you are. Thank you for giving us a nice couple of words on iTunes. We appreciate it. But I'll mail you a little something to your home as a thank you from me. And please subscribe, listen in, tell a nerdy loved one to check us out here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to our podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's right. Me, Chris. It means a lot. Thank you for listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. So until next week, spend some time with the, some times with the one you love, the ones you love. Read some comics, then read some comics together with the ones you love. It's great. Stay nerdy. 
and be like water, my friends. See you next week. Bye-bye.